This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We're still teaching on the valleys in the Bible, and we've come across some, some wonderful truths in these, and I found this, this study has been very interesting. Last time was the Valley of Elah, and as you know, the uh, well, we talked about the, the Valley of Elah, and and we, we got through that a little bit more. Um, you know, when someone says, well, yeah, the Valley of Elah, I know all about that in the Bible. <laughs> and you, you probably don't by name. But if I say David and Goliath, oh yeah, I know all about that story. And so we found out that, that the, uh, the story of David and Goliath of course, took hold, uh, took uh, place there in the Valley of Elah. So that is a very, very important area. And what a, what a wonderful truth that was in that particular valley. We, we not only talked about uh, the, the enemy, and we got a picture of the mountains in our mind. I had a picture last week of that valley and the mountains on each side and how the, the Israelites were on one side and and the enemy was on the other side. And yet, uh, we looked at Goliath. We took a look at his armor, all the weight that it had, how big it was, even his spear. I had a picture of his spear. man went to the Bible and tried to make the spear as genuine as he could uh, to the size that is in the, in the Bible. And uh, we found that it was over uh, 10 foot in length, and uh, excuse me, 12 foot, 7 inches in length. And the weight of, of the spear had a heavy head on the front, 16 pound, 11 ounce, and it also had a counterweight on the back so that it would run straight. So that particular, uh, I found very interesting in that. But David meeting Goliath in battle there, what was his mission after all? He, he not only wanted to you know, he came to see how his brothers were doing, but he ended up listening to that call that Goliath was putting out, and he said, hey, why isn't somebody doing something about this? And, of course, he said, I'll do something about it. Of course, they looked at his statue, they looked at his age, and they said, uh, this, that's ridiculous, David. You, you can't go out there. You can't do that. And Goliath said, that's ridiculous, too. I'll feed you to the birds. Uh, you know, I'll take care of you. Will you just come on? But the thing that David was wanting to do, when we looked at 1 Samuel 17, is that, and the scripture says, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So it, it wasn't about David, it wasn't about himself, but it was about God. And he said, I want all, I want the earth to know there is a God through this battle that's going to take place. And sure enough, David went out there and he took care of business and, uh, and took care of the giant. And so we finished up with that. The lesson, I believe, in this story for us is that it's our responsibility to take the abilities that God has given us and put them to use. God, What will God do? He will direct us how to use those abilities. But if we make ourselves available like David did. David said, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to make myself available to go here and take care of that. And what did he say? I come to you in the name of the Lord. 
That's how we got to come out to this world in the name of the Lord. That's how we've got to do the things that God wants us to do. And He will take the abilities that each of us have, and all of us have different abilities, some of us the same, but God will use those. So I think we need to realize it's very important that our heart is in the right place with the Lord and that He will open up the doors that we can do that. So this morning, we're going to look at the Valley of Ishkul. The Valley of Ishkul. And once again, that probably doesn't ring a bell with you as far as what it means or where it's at. But we'll find out some important thing happened in the Valley of Ishkul. And we want to look at that this morning. In your Bibles, let's turn to Numbers chapter 13. And I've all, always used uh, Psalms 23:4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I think in that particular uh, verse today, I, w- I like thou art with me. And we have to remember that in the story. God is with us. God was with them. But not everybody believed that. Not everybody claimed hold to that. So the picture I gave you today is the valley of Ishkul that you see there. So to set the background, of course, we want to remember what is happening here. There's, they've come to an area close to the promised land. It's time to check it out before they go in. And here, Israelites have been wandering through the wilderness and the desert and got to this area here and, and think maybe this, this time now, Moses probably thinks, hey, it's, it's time now to really uh, buckle down, check it out, see where we're going from here, and uh, we're getting ready to, to cross over here into Canaan. But before he does that, he does, God directs him to do something very important, and that's to spy out the land, check it out. So let's pick up at verse number 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get ye up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land. Now verse 18 breaks down several things that he expects them to do. See the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. Verse 19, And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities there be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage. And I think that's important. He's trying to encourage him before they even put a foot into it. Be of good courage. And then notice of all the things they could have brought back. He didn't say bring back some of the people so we can talk to them, bring back some animals. He said bring the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and they searched the land from the wilderness of Zin under Rehob as men cometh to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came to Hebron where Ahaman, Shishai, and 
Talmah, the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Now look at this. They came to the brook of Ishkul and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes and they bear it between two upon a staff and they brought the pomegranates and the figs. The place was called the brook of Ishkol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. So no doubt the brook is running through the valley, the valley of Ishkol, the brook of Ishkol, and this is where they cut down that huge cluster of grapes. Moses said, bring back some fruit of the land. Let me check it out. Let me see this. <clears throat> so let's think about what has taken place. The Lord had directed Moses and said, I don't want you just to go storming in there without looking and seeing what kind of land we have. So what did Moses do? He appointed 12 men, 12 leaders from each tribe to go in and spy out this land. And he says, when you go in there, don't just look around and come back. In fact, they were, they were, it took them 40 days to go through this whole spy journey that they were on. So they were on quite a journey. It was, it was really something that was very important for them to look over and make sure that they knew everything that was going on. But they had this specific task. He said, I want to know what kind of land it is. Well, that's, that's good to know because you don't have no idea what, what we're stepping onto. Yeah, so what kind? Is it a rocky land? Is it a sandy land? Is it a, is it a, a grown-up piece of land that we can't hardly get through? I mean, I mean, what is the deal here? And then he said, look around and find the people that are living on that land and find out whether they're strong, they're weak. Is it a few of them? Is it a whole lot of them? And so... The land itself, is it, is it going to be good for us? Is it going to be bad for us? What kind of towns do these people live in? And you remember he asked, he said, are they living in like tents? Or are they in fortified cities? They got walls around them? I mean, we need to know what we're up against when we get in there. And of course, the soil itself, they need to know whether it's fertile. They're going to be able to plant crops. They're going to be able to, to survive in there. What, is it a lot of trees on the land? We're going to have to cut down trees and, and use them to build things. So we need all these things. We need to know what, what is in there. But as we come to this thing, he says, but do this one thing for me. Do the best thing you can to bring back some fruit that is on the land. So as they reach the valley of Ishkol, they, they cut down a single branch a cluster of grapes. And it took two of these men to put it on a pole and carry it out of there along with some pomegranates and some figs. Ain't no telling how big the figs and the pomegranates were. But can you imagine a single cluster of grapes that was so big that it took two men? You know, when I, when I think of going to a grape vineyard, I grab, reach up and grab a cluster of grapes, maybe a hand or two handful. But my goodness, something that we got to put on a pole and carry out of there. So I begin to kind of link together here in the Bible that Ishkol Valley is about being fruitful. Being fruitful. Is being fruitful important to us today? 
it's probably one of the most important things after our salvation is being fruitful. That's bringing souls to Christ, winning other people to the Lord. So John chapter 15 and verse number 16, he'll probably get that up on the screen for you there. But notice what he said. Ye have not chosen me. Now Jesus speaking to the disciples, but this, you know, we are all disciples of Christ if we're born again. So he's speaking to us as well. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. So that tells me that right off, Christ has a mission for all of us to do. He has chosen us to be his servants, to do what he, his will. And his will comes along with power to do that. The Holy Spirit gives us that power. We have God's Spirit within us when we get saved and we're ready to go do the work for the Lord. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you. But here's the reason. That you can make a name for yourself. That you can show everybody uh, just what you're able to accomplish because of your talents that you have. No. He said, I have done that, that you'll go for, go and bring forth fruit. So that, that's the, the thing that he's asked us to do, and he's given us the ability to do that. And that your fruit should remain. You know, I, I read that often and think about it. I think me as well as all of us fall short about making sure that our fruit remains. You know, I see people come and join the church. They get, I see people getting saved, join the church, getting baptized, and then I don't see them anymore for a long time. Many times I don't see them. I wonder, where, where are those people that stood at the back and we shook their hand and, and uh, we were clapped over them uh, coming to know the Lord and, and getting baptized? And, and, and it's not really their fault. It's our fault that we don't follow up and say, hey, let me, let me get on the phone and give these folks a call. Let me, let me touch base with them, see what's going on. You know, I, I remember when COVID hit and they, the church gave several of us uh, pages of, of phone numbers and people's names. And I remember sitting down for an hour and calling people and talking to people. And, and they, were, they were so glad to hear from me. And they, they, they were so excited that someone cared enough to give them a call, check on them. And, and as a result of that, they would promise they'd be back at church and, and, and many would come back to church. But I think today, especially if it's a, if it's a new, new Christian, that they need encouragement along the way. They need people to say, hey, I missed you. I, I'm, I'm longing to see you back in serving the Lord. And I think that's part of that, that your fruit should remain. <clears throat> that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We ask for souls to be saved. We pray about people that are lost. And we ask the Lord to send them our way. We ask the Lord for opportunities. But you know what? We have to follow through with those opportunities. And we have to do what's the most important thing for Christ to do, and that's win souls for Him. You think about it. At some day when we stand before the Lord, He's not going to say, well, tell me about all the money you made. Tell me about all the places that you went. Tell me about all the the things that you built on earth. And, and he's not interested in that. But he's interested in, tell me about all the souls that you led to Christ. 
the ones that you witnessed to, and the ones that decided to make that decision for Christ. So that's the important thing, and that's why he says that. If we're a believer today, and we're following Christ, then our life has a genuine purpose, and we can glorify God by being fruitful. That's the most thing we can bring glory to God. Now, let's go back to the story and think about what Moses did. Moses said, I want you to go over there and spy that land and I want you to do your very best, make every effort that you can to bring back some fruit from that land. You think about it. Salvation is a free gift to us. The promised land was a free gift to the Israelites. Hey, I, I've, I've got a promised land for you. And we're going to get you there. We're going to provide for you till we get there. And then you're, it's up to you. You want to take that gift? You want to go into that land? And so here's that opportunity for these 12 guys to walk in there and come back out saying, yes, we're finally here. Man, I can't wait to get over there and take a hold of this land. We've been wandering around. Man, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. But you know, that wasn't the report, was it? We find out that once again, they wasn't thinking about what God had directed them to do. And they wasn't making the right choice. Many of them, only two of them would do that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I can't get away from that fruitfulness that should be in our lives. You know, you think about it. Those guys could have come back and said, man, you ought to have seen the grapes over there. And that wouldn't have been the same thing as having that where they could see the fruit of the land. I mean, they could have said, boy, the grapes were gigantic, the figs were huge, the pomegranates were wonderful. I mean, you guys, I can't wait for y'all to see it. And they're probably all standing there and saying, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, we've seen grapes before. You know, it's not going to register like two guys walking in with a cluster of them it takes to bring in. And they say, Wow. But yet, as they talk about, we talk about the fruitfulness that should be in our lives as a result of the choices we make. I want you to look at John 15, and we'll look at verse number five. Because Jesus spent a lot of time talking about the fruit and what it should do, what it should be. Now he said, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He didn't say because we're in Christ, we may bring one soul to Christ. We may take some time to talk about Jesus to someone and leave it at that. I think the, the idea here that he's really trying to get across to us is that we're going to bring forth much fruit if we are abiding in Him. And so Jesus said, I am the vine. You know, if you go out to a vineyard and you look at, I remember there was one out on Jefferson Davis Highway that they, I remember from the very start that they planted that. And I used to see it up on the hillside. At first I wondered, what are they clearing that land for? What are they doing? And then the next thing I seen these little, these little things sticking up ever so often out of the ground and some, I don't remember what they had around them at the time. But that was the vine that was started. They had a stake is what it was, and they were 
They were attached to the stake till they got strong enough. And that vine, I never seen any grapes on that vine, because that's that's the vine. But after a while, guess what started branching off of that vine? Those branches. And as those branches came off that vine, guess what? Sooner or later, there were leaves, there was fruit. All over every one of those up on that hillside. You don't walk up to the vine and pull a cluster of grapes off. But you pull them off of the branch. Jesus says, I am the vine. That's where you're drawing my, your strength from. That's where you need every day of your life. And you abide in me, and I abide in you, and then I'm going to help you as that branch to do what? Bring forth fruit. He says in verse number 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them in the fire, and they are burned. Let's say the, the guy that's in charge of the vineyards walking down in, he's looking at this row, and it, it's doing really good. But the next row over, here's the same vine over here. Here's the same branches coming off, but they look dead. There's not even no leaves on them, much less any fruit on them. This is no good. You know, I may try to help them along and see if I can get something to work, but after a while, we might as well just cut those off. Prune those out the way. Maybe some new ones will come out and produce something. As Christians, we can be in the same predicament to where our branches are not bringing forth any fruit. Oh yeah, there will be a lot of people that stand before the Lord and say, well now Lord, you, you got to remember that I, I spent all my time doing this and I did that and I did this and I did that. And he said, well where's the fruit at? And so those deeds, those works that did nothing for the Lord, they'd just be gathered, whew, gone like that, burn up. Nothing for the Lord. Verse 7, if ye abide in me, and I think this is a key here, my words abide in you. We can carry the Bible around all day long. We keep it on the coffee table, on the dashboard. But if these words don't abide in us, if we don't read them and heed them, and study them, and use them, and let God take them and work through our life, we're, we're not abiding as we should in Christ. We're not staying in touch with the Lord like we should. But he says, if you'll do that, then you can ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear, once again, much fruit. So shall you be my disciples." Yes, it was a commission to the disciples, but we are all disciples of Christ. The commission goes out to us as well. So, a life that's disconnected from Jesus, if I don't read His Word, if I don't talk to Him, I don't pray to Him, if I don't, I don't do any of those corresponding things back and forth with the Lord, my prayer life, then guess what? I'm going to be unfruitful. And I'm not abiding as I should in the Lord. So I'm starving myself spiritually is what I'm doing. And guess what? Some of those branches start withering a little bit till we get back to doing what we should to do. All right, the discouraging part of this story, coming back from the land, 12 of them, 10 of 12, only, ten, only two, 10 of the 12 said, mm-mm, this land is way too big for us. The people are too much for us. 
Everything is just, we might as well just forget this. And so what did they do? Discourage the people. You know, there's always some discouragers around. <laughs> there's always somebody, you can't do that. You might as well forget that. You can't have that ministry. You can't, you can't go over here and do that. Your church can't accomplish that. This can't happen. There's always people that look back and say, we can't do things. But what are they doing? They're relying upon their own strength. These two guys said, hey, we know what God can do with us. The ten guys said, we can't do it. And you know what? They were right. They couldn't do it on their own. I can imagine what a, what a big thing it looked like to go in there. Let, let's look at what some of the things they had. Numbers 13, let's go to verse number 26. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word with them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Everything's good so far. But look at this. They said they told him that when they came to the land, whether thou sendest us, surely it floweth with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. Verse 28, Nevertheless, <laughs> There's always a nevertheless, isn't it? Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land of the cities, a walled, very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Anakites dwelt in the land in the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountain, the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. So they're saying, yeah, it's a land flow with milk and honey. Yeah, there's fruit in the land, but let me tell you who's over there. And they begin to name all these people that cover that land. But look what Caleb did. He had, he had heard enough. He stilled the people before Moses. He didn't even wait to, for Moses to talk about it. He just said, wait a minute. Hold on just a minute. And let me tell you something. Let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. Look at that. Don't you love people with positive attitudes? <laughs> he didn't say, well, wait a minute now, we can give it a try. I mean, we, we, we might be able to do something. No. He said, we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched out unto the children of Israel, saying, The land which thou have, which we have gone to search out is a land that eateth up its inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great statue. And there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which were come of the giants, and we were in our sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So wait a minute here. I'm going to tell you something. We can't go over there and take that land because all these people are so great. They're mightier than us in statue. Well, I don't think that was the case. I think there were giants because of Anak. There were, there were the sons of Anak there. But then even the the, the example that they gave, let's compare a, even a good-sized grasshopper to a man. I mean, that, that's a pretty vast difference. You know, why not say, well, yeah, we're, we're a little bit smaller than they are. We're, we're not as big as those giants. But hey, 
These other guys, these other two guys said, hey, we are able, more than able to do that. So you, I could see the, the mouths of the children of Israel just drop. Their heads drop. Oh, my goodness. What in the world have we been traveling to? Why? What have we got ourselves into now? We feel like grasshoppers. You know, and, and originally as I studied the lesson, I wasn't going to plan to go into chapter 14, but I do want you to see this. So, so go over into chapter 14 and look what they did. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Boy, they just put them in a, in a bad situation. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses, against Aaron, the whole congregation, and said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? So you see, they're not even going to give God a chance. But we might as well forget this. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us up out of this land to fall by the sword, and our wives and our children should be a prey, were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said one to another, look at this, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. We're done with Moses and Aaron. We're done with this whole mess. Let's just make a captain and we'll head back to Egypt. Back to slavery. Look what it said. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jehu, which were, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, This land which we pass through to search is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, he will bring us unto this land and give us, us a land which floweth with milk and honey. <clears throat> and only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, and their defense departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. So, these two guys continue to say, you know what? Y'all are wrong about this. We can take this land with the Lord's help. We can do what we needs to be done. But these people had given up on the Lord. How many people today give up on God because they face big situations coming our life? We, none of us know what we're going to face tomorrow. But I do know one thing. God's with me tomorrow just like He is today. And whatever need it is, He's still able to take care of that need. So, as we look at Numbers 32, I want you to kind of see what took place here. Verse number 7, And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over to the land which the Lord hath given them. Thus did your fathers, and I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to the land, for they went up unto the valley of Ishkol, there's our valley, saw the land, and they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. Are we guilty sometimes of discouraging people? Yeah, I, I love people that fall on the bandwagon. Somebody's going through something and they, they talk to you about it and you say, well, you know, I went through the same thing and it's going to be bad. It's going to be rough. 
Instead of, you know what? I'm praying for you in your situation because God can turn it around like He did for me. Don't be a discourager, but be an encourager for the Lord. Because when we discourage people, just like the children of Israel, here these ten guys, they discouraged their hearts. They were ready to give up, turn around, and go back. What was the Lord, how did he feel about this whole situation? Verse 10, the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swears, saying, surely none of the men that came out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham and Isaac and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. They'll not reap any of that because they just quit following me. They quit believing in me. But there were two, wasn't it? Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness. Look at that. Forty more years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord <clears throat> was consumed. The result on us, of us not believing in God is that we won't see something great happen that could, could have happened through us. I wonder how many things when we get to heaven, God will show us, you know what? This could have happened. But because you didn't believe me that, it, that I'd be with you, that I'd never leave you or forsake you, then it didn't happen. And here, this, this was pronounced against them that they were going to have to wander in the wilderness 40 years until that whole generation had passed away, would not be able to see. Only two out of the 12 would get that promotion to see the promise of God, Joshua and Caleb. And why is that? Because they believed wholly in His promises. Holy. I believe today if we'll continue to believe the Word. When I read something in the Word, I read it and don't, I don't say, well man, I don't think that could happen. Or I don't know about that. Or maybe that's for someone else. But when I read it, I, I realize that God's speaking to me about it. And when He speaks to me through His Word, and His promises that are in His Word, I can say, hey, I know that if I trust the Lord, trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart. And He says, lean not upon your own understanding. You see, that's what the ten did. That's what the Israel did. They leaned on their own understanding. Well, my goodness, these giants in the land are going to squash us. They're going to eat us up. That's the words they use. They would, they would just eat us up. Don't you think David could have thought the same thing when he stepped out there with that giant? Say, well, he's going to just stomp me. He's going to take one swipe at me and take care of me. But he didn't even think about that. He said, I don't need the armor. I don't, Saul, I don't need your armor. It's too big for me anyway. I've got the Lord on me. And when he went out there to do the battle, he said, I come in the name of the Lord. Folks, this world we live in today, we, we need all the armor of God on. 
the things that we face and are going to face till Jesus comes, we need His strength. We need His help. And what a, what a great help it is when I step back and say, you know what? I know you may say this in the world, but God's Word says this. <laughs> I know you said this is going to take place, but guess what? It ain't going to take place unless God allows it. And even if God allows it, and I don't understand it, He still knows the, the beginning from the end. And so when we put that full trust in Him, they wholly trusted in the Lord. That doesn't mean just when things are going right, just when things are good, but it means when things don't look too good. And I try to sympathize with the Israelites. Hey, they, that is a great land. That is a lot of people. They are fortified cities. We're not just going to walk in there and they're going to lay down their weapons and, and they're going to say, hey, y'all go ahead and have it. <laughs> They've been living in that land. They, they're established in there. But God does that for a reason to say, hey, I'm going to put you in there and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to show you that. If we didn't walk through some of these valleys in our life, how would we know what God can do? You know, I love the mountaintop experiences. It's wonderful. But I know sooner or later I'm going to come down that mountain and I'm going to walk through that valley. I'm going to get that news that the doctors gave me. I'm going to hear that report about one of my family members. I'm going to have to hear and listen to something else that's going on amongst the brothers and sisters in Christ and say, pick up that prayer list and say, oh my goodness, there's a lot to pray for here. But yet God's able, amen? He's able to take care of the needs. But we have to have people that are going back to that vine and that branch that we are abiding in Christ. We're trusting in Him. We're depending upon Him. We're drawing from Him. And we know that God will work through us if we let Him. So we know all the people, and it's so a shame, isn't it? All the people that started from Egypt, except for Joshua and Caleb, were not going to be able to go into that promised land. I want to experience some of those promises I read about in God's Word. I want to see what God can do in my life. And I only can do that if I continue to wholly believe and trust in Him. Folks, there's a lot of lot of fruit out here that needs witnessing to. There's a lot of people that need to be brought to Christ. There's a lot of people that don't even name the name of Christ. Don't know anything about Christ. And yet, we have the message, the most important message in the world. Let's reach them for Jesus and then let's help that fruit to continue to abide and grow. Christ. You remember when you got saved as a young Christian? Wasn't it great to have someone come along, put their show, hand on your shoulder, give you a Bible, and tell you some things that you can instruct you, some things that would help you spiritually grow? And you didn't stay a babe in Christ. You continued to grow in Christ because of that. And we need people to help other people grow in Christ today. We all are growing every day. I'm, I'm learning something every day. And I thank God for it. I thank Him for His Word. I thank Him for His presence that is with us. So, praise the Lord for this valley. Valley of Ishkol. And there you know it's not just a name valley, but it was because of the, the fruit that came back 
from that brook in the valley and what the Lord promised and what He did for them. So another great valley study. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.